0: There have been several things in my mind: the sanctity of life, the joy and the pain of motherhood, and the care and the compassion that we are to have toward the people of the world. I pray as that we consider those things. they will come together to bless you, to challenge you and to empower you to hold fast to God. So we're going to count today's sermon as like a topical hopscotch, but we're going to make it to the end and hit all the major points. Um, today our primary verse is 1 Corinthians 24, um, excuse me, First Corinthians 12, somebody should have been like, there's not 24 chapters, yeah. 1 Corinthians 12, 24 through 26. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that, it, that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now, this is, if you haven't guessed yet, this is actually from the next chapter that we're planning on studying, Um, but this is the section that I'm going to focus in on today. Kind of skipping a little bit, and we'll come back to the rest of it next week. This week I found myself in this hard place, where I see the evil of the world and the the fragility of life and it's grind to the finish line. I ask, do I trust God? Do I really understand and believe that he has good in store for me? Because life is very hard. And with its many burdens, it weighs on the heart. Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When it comes to trying to meet the standards of the world or try to, to, to meet anything else, like the world will just crush us. And if we try to, on our on our own, meet the standards and the holiness of God we too will be crushed under that weight. And so we hold fast to Christ who holds us up and through living through him and for him, we find a light burden. A yoke that doesn't disable us, but enables us. There is but one purpose, to cling to God, to know his love, and to spread that love. But as we live day to day, we can feel like Job, who said he didn't even feel comfort when he was laying down. When he went to his bed, when he was finally exhausted and went to his bed, he didn't even find comfort there. Read Job 7 uh, for that part. But Jesus is the one that knows our suffering Personally, He knows our struggles. He lived like us and experienced the weakness of our hearts for himself. He knows the burdens of our minds because he experienced them himself. He has this compassion and care because he can relate to our every feeling, our every emotion, our every circumstance. Still, he, in his wisdom, he set out the trials of our lives. He knew everything that we would face, every bit of frustration, every bit of hardship and pain, everything uncomfortable and humbling. And all of it has one place and one purpose, and that is to draw us to him. It's in Jesus that we find comfort. It's in Jesus that we find contentment and peace in him we find hope and comfort in our suffering in the dirtiness of our humanity and the weakness of our flesh we find jesus who brings us to life knowing the pain of this life is temporary again and again we fix our eyes on him he is our hope he is the reason we can endure and mom specifically i hope today you kind of Hold to that. You know what I'm talking about. We fix our eyes on him, and we are sustained by his love. In the same way a baby is sustained by its mother. Not because of the infant's strength, or goodness, or worthiness, but because it belongs to its mother. One of the points I want to make today, and probably one of the biggest ones, is motherhood is a picture of the character of God. His self-sacrificial love, his gentle and nurturing spirit, his mercy and his grace. For many of us, through our mothers, is the first place we experienced God's love in this way. Mothers, you care for every need. You discipline and guide, and you love without condition, or at least you strive to do so. Not because your children deserve it, but because they are yours. In fact, you love someone who, when they're born, can't even love you back. And you can argue with me on this, but a baby doesn't love you back. It just needs you. And needs you, and needs you, and needs you, right? In fact, it never has to love you back. That's not a guarantee, that's not a promise. And still, you persist and love where love isn't guaranteed. only once that child reaches a certain maturity does that love that was poured into that child potentially produce a reciprocal, genuine love. This is the one-way love of a mother. One that personifies the love of God. When they're fighting you, when you try to put them to bed, or they reject the food that you made, When they make every single thing in your life just hard enough that you want to cry, even just trying to put on your seatbelt. Or when you finally get to that place of rest in your bed and you just want to cry. Still, you care for them. Still, you love them. This is a reflection of the way that God loves us. And this is not by accident. We all have mothers. Whether they raised us or not, they decided to bring us into this world. And even that choice, that simple act of love, they gave their own bodies so that we would survive. And this sacrifice is not without cost, right? To your life, to your relationships, to your body, and to your mind— You're constantly reminded of those sacrifices. And still there is no greater honor than to be charged by God with the care of his children. This is both a great responsibility and a great joy. To take part in the work of God, to guide little hearts, to know him and to love him. To teach them what love is. And to direct them to the author of love and that's something that's important to remember remember moms today is that the children while they're given to you they temporarily belong to you you're only borrowing them they belong to God and so all the stress of their success all the stress of their salvation and goodness and all and all of their victory and all of it doesn't hang on your shoulders. You are simply an instrument for God to point them to him. So in that, this great measure of trust and faith is necessary. To trust that God has both empowered you and called you to rely on him in all things, whether your children are not born yet or whether they're adults. second part of what I want to share today is what is life. God is life. He's the author, the creator, and the sustainer. He gives breath and purpose to every living creature. God says that all life is created and sustained through his son, Jesus Christ. That is the manifestation of every living thing and the function that causes those cells to live. He sustains it all. Read Hebrews 1. Or Job 34, 14 through 15. I think I have that one up there. If it were his intention... And he withdrew his spirit and breath. All humanity would perish together and mankind would return to the dust. You're not on autopilot. You're not just existing to exist. You exist with a purpose. You exist for a reason. And God is maintaining your life. Hmm. Now, I have no clue of your political positions, nor do I really find them relevant. I think that rather than being defined by an outward set of ideas and policies, we should hold true to what Scripture says. And that we should be shaped by God's word rather than divisions or worldly claims of love. Here's a simple fact. Mothers don't exist without babies. Mothers don't exist without the life that they create. No matter how long that child lives, whether one hour in the womb or 120 years, that life is equally precious. There is no circumstance, no tragedy, no defect, no excuse that can nullify the value of human life. Even if deformed... Or conceived by an act of sin. Even if unwanted or unprepared, God has declared all life valuable. Now, I was going to bore you with lots of pictures of baby seals being clubbed to death. I know that sounds weird and harsh, but a lot of people have, like I previously did, have this deep compassion for cute little animals. And the idea of small, cute little animals being destroyed, right? It breaks your heart. But when the topic of babies comes up, all of a sudden we're in a whole different realm. And the compassion that we applied to animals doesn't get applied to human beings. You can thank me later for not showing you those pictures. <laughs> Some of them were really cute. All life is precious. From baby seals to mosquitoes, from kittens to hummingbirds, God created. Yes, mosquitoes too. You know, all that has a purpose, right? Even in our suffering to, Lord, please deliver me from these monsters, (laughs) Yet above all of the universe and all that was created, above the earth and the planets, above the bugs and the slugs and the tigers and the bears, above all created things, even spiritual beings like angels, God created us. Nothing else in all of creation holds the same value. Special and unique We are created in his image. That's what makes us different. That's what makes us more important than than kittens and puppies and baby seals. It's hard for me to consider a time when I thought that a kitten was just as valuable as a baby, but at one point in my life I did. You know, a kitten can show compassion, and a kitten can need you, but true godly love cannot come from animals. That is reserved for those who bear his image. That is reserved for people. So people decry the tragedy of life being destroyed, of trees being cut down, and animals being slaughtered. But they reject the same tragedy for human children. Do we see the error of our ways? Now, I would say avoiding suffering is probably the greatest excuse that people use for killing children. The suffering of a body changing in maternal ways the suffering of a child who would have to live without much or possibly starve to death, or mental suffering endured every time a mother saw her child and would relive the pain of her assault. But by this logic, poor kids should die. Sick kids and kids enduring abuse and kids with too many siblings or from broken homes, kids without opportunities or with unsupportive extended families should all be killed by that logic. These arguments used to attempt to justify murder simply do not stand. And mothers have been convinced to destroy their children for the sake of convenience or to avoid shame or to pursue their dreams, but we should never mistake sin for love. I could be preaching to the choir, or this could be challenging what you believe. But know this tragedy. The waiting list to adopt a baby is so long they won't even put you on the list. People want these children. Now let me stop here because of overall this condemnation of this. Pain and guilt is the grace and the forgiveness of God a love and a sacrifice that paid for killers like me because i am included among those who have killed a new life within the womb and though i have done what is evil in the sight of god jesus bled and died for me so don't let the guilt of evil evil rob you of forgiveness repent of your sin Confess to God the ways that you have wronged Him and His people, but have confidence that repentance leads us to the forgiveness of God. For we trust Him to forgive us, things that we could never undo, only things that Jesus could pay for with His own death. Second Corinthians 7:10 says, "Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation. And leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. Understand that the blood of Christ has washed. Those clean who come to him in repentance. So there is nothing. No sin that stands between us and God. Nothing that we've done or that we will do. We receive grace by faith. And that repentance brings the fruit of action, the changing of our ways and the way that we live. If repentance is something that you're withholding from God, then you're keeping something between his forgiveness that he has freely offered you. Now, we should expect judgment from God on our nation. Correction to lead us to repentance, to lead us to action and resolve. We condemn abortion, but have this long history of condemning people for things they cannot undo. So we must be very careful of that. A question for you to consider is what can you do? You know, we have one Planned Parenthood in our region, that's down in Spokane Valley. But there are ministries littered around, and there are churches and people who care and value life. We have thousands of families suitable to care for those babies. We have homes, and we have spare rooms ourselves. We have the resources and the love. You can give to advocacy programs like Life Choices Pregnancy Center, or support mothers directly. You can adopt unsupported mothers, or even adopt a child. Our actions are only limited by the capacity of our heart. Either way, we need to love these women and young fathers, and encourage them with the gospel, and live out our faith as born-again children of God. Psalm 139 I'd like to share with you. You have searched me, O God. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem in behind me and before me. And you lay your hand upon me. will we not be dark to you? The night will shine like the day, for darkness is a light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in that secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, Your eye saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me are written in your book, before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God! How vast is the sum of them! If I were to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If only you, God, would slay the wicked. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offense, offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. God has created us in his image and has made mothers to be a reflection of his character. So love God by showing love to your mother if that's something you withheld since you were a baby. I'll share this before I end. The lady who started Mother's Day started it because her mom was awesome. Like, Back in 1908, she started because her mom was awesome. And she said things like, don't send your mom a card. She's worth more than that. And she started Mother's Day, and then commercialism kind of took over, and she fought against it the entirety of her life. She ended up in a, in a mental hospital, of all things. And the commercial companies paid to keep her there. But still throughout, her purpose remained was to honor her mother. To love her. So show God that you love your mother. With the simplicity of the love that she showed you. Care for her in her time of need. And pray for her. And thank God for her if she's not here anymore. Remember all the ways that she showed you the love of God. And remember us as a church here. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with us. Let's join in supporting and, and supporting and suffering with our mothers. And today as God's people, lift them up in honor to the Lord. So call them, pray for them, show up, just show your mom that you love her.